All right, we are we are going to go ahead and uh, get started tonight. Um, I know uh, getting a little bit of feedback, Lance. I don't know if you hear the echo or not. Probably you do. Thank you, sir. I know I need to wrap up uh, by 7:28. Steve wanted me to make sure so that he could check out to see if he won the Vax a Millionaire. So I want to make sure I get done by that. Isn't that what you'd ask me, Steve? I wasn't sure. Oh, it wasn't you. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. He he did not ask me that. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, open up in a word of prayer, and then uh, we will get started tonight. Uh, Father, we. We bow before you, uh, humble, thankful. Father, I, uh, I would be remiss to not mention uh, that uh, what a wonderful thing it is to be able to boldly approach your throne. And tonight, as we, as we do uh, touch on that, I just, uh, how thankful we are that we can do so, that your son made the way for us to be able to boldly approach the throne. And Father, may that be something that we do all the time. May we find uh, the peace and rest that can only be found in Christ Jesus. Uh, I just ask that you be with us this evening as we open your word and just dig a little bit deeper uh, into your words uh, for our life. And, And we do ask this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so uh, last week, uh, I had a touch of a whirlwind uh, as we hit two and three. Uh, I promise that is not going to happen tonight. I promise we're not going to, we're not going to do two chapters. That that was, that was an awful lot and it went fast. So we're going to go ahead and go chapter four through 13 tonight and, uh, and, and and wrap that all up. the, the, um, I, I'm just teasing. Uh, we, we are going to end in chapter 13. I do, I do, uh, do want to assure you that. But we are going to look at chapter 4 this evening. Uh, and then uh, we will wrap up in chapter 13 with just a few verses uh, tonight as we just finish up this uh, little three-week study that we've had together. And I, I do appreciate the time that, that we have had together. But if you want to look at your Bibles, starting in verse 1 of chapter 4, uh, the writer... Uh, says this, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest as he has said, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain way, in a certain place of the seventh day, in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, and again, in this place they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience, again he designates a certain day, saying, And David, today, after such a long time, as it has been said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. 
For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now last week in chapter 3 we talked about uh, rest. That, that concept, the idea of rest was introduced by the writer to the Jewish audience. And there is going to be some ties to the Old Testament and Old Testament rest uh, that the author is going to use to bring uh, uh, the Hebrews into an understanding of the one who provides a Sabbath rest, an eternal Sabbath rest, and, and, and we'll, we'll touch on that as well. But verse 1 starts with the therefore, and it ties directly back to the tail end of chapter 3 where it says, so we see they could not enter because of unbelief. And so the writer says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So in Hebrews 3 uh, in 12 and 13, uh, the, you know, the writer talks about, um, you know, the, the, that sin that we touched on last week. Beware, you know, what, what are we to be doing? We need to beware, brothers, lest any of you have an evil heart. We need to exhort one another, and we need to hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. So we're, so we're holding on to that. So if you look at chapter 4 and verse 1, what he's saying there is, listen, <laughs> don't be lazy. You, you cannot be lazy. You, this, this entering of a rest doesn't mean that you just lay back and you do nothing with what you've been given and what has been given to you. But, but that rest calls you to do something. And, and he is saying there is an examination of self. Look, look, at, look at yourself. Lest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. That is calling you to an examination of self. Are you, are you focusing? Do you, I have an evil heart of unbelief? Am I exhorting one another? Am I holding fast to that promise of Christ Jesus? So the, this, is, this rest that is, that, is, that is going to be talked about, while indeed it is an eternal rest that the writer is going to get to, he is not calling you to a call of laziness this rest is one of peace it's it's one of hope it's one of comfort and in verse two you see a you see a direct tie between new testament and old testament for he says indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them but the word which they heard did not profit not being mixed with faith in those who heard it there was no faith no faith, a lack of faith. Not having faith keeps you from that rest. Now, that's what the writer's saying there. If you don't have faith, you will never have rest. Never. 
And, and as we move through here, we see, for he who have believed do enter that rest as he has said. And this is from Psalm 95, 11, So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And I love this part, although the works were finished from the foundation of the, work, uh, of the world. See, our, our rest is founded in God's perfect, eternal plan. From day one, our rest was founded in God's perfect eternal plan. Now, do you see that that should that should take us someplace? Are we seeing the sovereignty of God in your salvation? Do you, are you making that connection to the sovereignty of God? Where your salvation was founded was at the very beginning of time. And and, and does it give you a fresh perspective when you think of of the author and perfecter of your faith. It, it certainly does me. It, it, it's hard for me not to look at that and go, boy, look at the sovereignty of God in my salvation and how sure am I in Christ being the author and perfecter of my faith? And, and I have that confidence and rest in that promise because His Word says the works were finished from the foundation of the word of the world. This isn't to chance. This isn't to uh, just a total random thing. This is nothing that I have done because I certainly wasn't there at the foundation of the world. But the plan was, and he who wrote the plan was. And because of that, it's just, what a, what a time to pause and praise God for his sovereignty. What a pause to, to, to praise God for being the author and perfecter of my faith. This is a, th- we read this and should be called to worship. In verse 4, he says this, For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. This, that's Genesis 2. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. That, again, is a call back to Psalm 95. And then we're going to see uh, a couple characters here from Old Testament that the writer is going to use to help us get to the rest that Christ is. And, and it's a neat little flow here. He says, since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. So that's, that's a call to Moses. We see that. We understand that. Moses did not get to enter into the land of promise because of disobedience. And again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, today after such a long time as it has been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. And again, that's, that's Joshua, and that's chapter 21 and chapter 23. And we're, we're actually going to pause and, and go back to that. But, but this is that land of promise. This is the earthly rest. That's, that's what this is talking about. This is the earthly rest. So if you want to actually go back uh, to Joshua, uh, we're going to look at uh, just a few verses in Joshua 21, and then in Joshua... 22 in Joshua chapter 21 uh, in verse 43 is where we'll start it says this in verse 43 so the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers and they took possession of it and dwelt in it the Lord gave them rest all around, according to all that he had sworn to their fathers, 
and not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Jump down to 22 and look at verse 4. This is where he's, he's speaking to the eastern tribes here. He says, And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brethren as he promised them. Now therefore return and go to your tents and to the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. And then just one, one page over, just a few verses down in verse 8, he says, And he spoke to them, saying, Return with much riches to your tents, with very much livestock, with silver and gold, with bronze, with iron, and with very much clothing. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren. So we see there in, ver- in chapter 21, where God has fulfilled every promise of rest that he swore to Israel. It is being fulfilled. And then you see Joshua telling the eastern tribes, go back to your tents. Cross a river, go back to your tents. And that, that language of going back to your tents is, it's time, it's time to stop. Rest is here. You, you can quit the pursuit. We have nobody left to fight. Go back to your tents. And so go to your rest. Go enjoy that earthly peace that God promised us would happen in the land of Canaan. And so you see the writer of Hebrews referring to that earthly rest. But Joshua, as he's wrapping up the tail end of his life and he's giving his last message to them, he, he is giving a very, very stern warning to the, to the people of Israel saying, your rest, your rest is here. You're in his rest don't you dare stray from God because this is going to happen and your enemies are going to overtake you. You're going to start worshiping idols. All of these things are going to happen. Everything that is non-rest related, everything that they had just gone through is going to come flooding back into their life if you don't live in his rest. And Obviously, we know the Israelites did not. And Joshua told them that there was a rest coming. There is another day coming. Now look at verse 9. There remains therefore. So the writer is saying, because Joshua, because Moses, because David all talked about a rest that was going to be coming beyond what you have right here, therefore, there is this. There remains a rest for the people of God. And the word rest there is different than the other words rest used in that chapter. In fact, it's, it, it's, it's the only time it's used in the New Testament. That specific wording of the word rest. And it is re- reference to an eter- eternal Sabbath day. That's what that rest means there in, in verse 9. The word rest there is an eternal Sabbath day. And that remains for the people of God. Now, where is that eternal Sabbath? It's not in Moses. It's not in Joshua. It's not coming from David. It's coming from Christ. That's where that eternal Sabbath is coming from. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Isn't that 
Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? God saw what he had done and it was perfect. And, he's, and he rested in his perfection. And when we have a life in Christ, we can rest from the work. There is nothing left to do but rest. And that rest is a life of worship. It's a life of perfection and contentment and joy and peace. And it's only found in the rest that Christ provides. And I love how the writer of Hebrews is just, he's polling, polling the listeners from what they understand about the Old Testament and Old Testament characters and he's pulling them right to Christ and saying what they had was great, what he has is better. What they offered was wonderful, what he offers is so much better. And I, and I love how he does that. And, he, and here's a call, here's a call, starting in verse 11, he's actually taking us all the way back to, to, to verse 1 of chapter 4 here. That's what I like about this. He says, let us therefore, okay, why? In verse 1 it says, therefore since a promise remains of entering his rest... Jump to verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. So, how do we do this? How do we do this? And and here is his warning before he starts speaking about the word of God. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So, he is telling them, listen, remember Israel had rest. What did Joshua tell them? What did Moses tell them? This is an earthly rest. There is a better rest coming. Don't fall into the same pattern of disobedience they did. So where, where do we find that? Where, where is this place we can find that? Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is the best synopsis in the New Testament of what they were doing in the Old Testament. When they had an opportunity to be obedient and to enjoy God's rest, they did not. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we are going to look at verse 5. Starting in verse 5. But with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Why? Now these things became our example to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. Do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all of these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overcome you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may, may be able to bear it. Now that's, that is a, a laundry list of things that the Hebrews were doing in the Old Testament. Even though they had been given rest by God. The writer of Hebrews is saying, you need to be diligent to get into that rest. And how, 
if you don't get into that rest, that's, this is the danger that awaits. This is the temptation that's, that's beating down your door that you're going to succumb to because you are not being diligent to enter the rest. How do we enter the rest? Verse 12, for the word of God is living and powerful that's telling you right there that that is giving you sustaining comfort. That's exactly what that is telling you. The Word of God is living and powerful. You could say it is giving you sustaining comfort. If you want that rest and you want to be diligent to be in that rest and to seek that rest, it's only going to come if you are in this. And you've got to be in this. You've got to be in this. Why? Because it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and as a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. And when you read that, that does not sound pleasant. Does it? Certainly doesn't sound pleasant. I don't want to be stabbed with a sword. I don't want to be cut to the joint and marrow. I don't want that. Boy, that would hurt. That does not sound very restful. It doesn't. It's almost, it's almost like this counter thought to rest where you're going to stop and go, wait a second. What? what? You just told me to, to, the only way I can be diligent to seek rest is to find something that's going to splay me open? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely yes. That is the way. Because it is comforting to you when you're in God's Word. And it's convicting when you're in God's Word because you can see where your sin is in your life. And that's the cut. And the hidden things that are deep down that nobody else knows about you, it finds. And it sees it. And it brings it right to the front of your brain. And you know it's there. He might not know it's there. She might not know it's there. But the Word of God is clearly cutting it deep. And you know it's there because the Holy Spirit is convicting you of the sin that is in the depths of your heart. And you want it cut out. You want it removed. It's a sickness. It's a disease. It's a cancerous tumor in your spiritual life, in your spiritual walk. And the Word of God can cut it out of your life. Let it do its job. Because when it's out, you have rest. Verse 13 says this, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That language there, and open to the eyes of him, is a, it's an executioner type language. It, it, it means really beheading. I mean, when the head gets lopped off by the sword, the eyes are open. Okay, It's, a, it's total exposure. It's total exposure there. The Word of God is going to cut you open and expose you. It is. That's its job. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing that we have because it ultimately leads us to rest. And, and here's the thing. I love how he, how he bookends that, that little bit of the, that, that cutting that's going to happen from the Word of God. And he's going to reassure you because he's going to say, but listen, listen, let me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you about the high priest. And, and he is going to go on just this tangent about the high priest for several chapters. 
and about why the word of God cuts you and why the high priest is the one that can open the door to the Father. Why he's able to do it. Why he's better than any high priest you've ever read about in the Old Testament, Hebrews. Hundreds of times better than any, any that you've seen. In verse 14, he introduces this and says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, who is that? It is Jesus, the Son of God. Hold fast. Hold fast to him. Hold fast to the confession of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Because he's not a sinner offering a sacrifice. That's why he's better. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we were, yet without sin. Our high priest is not a sinner offering a sacrifice. He is sinless offering himself as a sacrifice. That's why he's the greater high priest. That's why he is our high priest. And in Matthew chapter 4, we talked a little bit about that last week, it's, it's the temptation where Christ has shown everything and anything. And he said, no, I, I, I don't want that. I've got my Father. I've got my Father. And that is more than enough to be obedient to my Father. Is more than enough. So what's, what's the end result of this high priest that we have? What's the end result there that we have a high priest who is not a sinner that offers a sacrifice of himself, what can we do? We can boldly go to the throne of grace. You know, understanding Hebrews, understanding the Israelites, who, who could boldly, who could dare to boldly approach the throne of God? What, it wasn't reserved for the common Israelite, that's for sure. You could present your sacrifice, but you, you dare not present yourself to the Holy of Holies. And it was only after a high priest went through an, an intense ritual of cleansing himself of his own sins and an offering of sacrifice of his own sins that he could even dare to offer a sacrifice of sin of another person. And how often was he even allowed to approach the Holy of Holies? But once. What's the writer Hebrews saying to all the Hebrew people, and to all of us. Listen, this high priest wasn't a sinner. He didn't have to go through a ritual because he was perfectly clean. And the sacrifice he offered wasn't some animal, it was himself. And the, and the, and the cost that was put upon that sacrifice of himself was everything that you've ever done. And he, he covered it. He, he paid it. Willingly, obediently, lovingly, so that you could have rest, so that we could have rest. And so what is our result there, guys? It's to boldly approach the throne of God. There isn't a barrier. Because when he sees us, he sees his son. And we have rest. How, how, how awesome is that? How, <laughs> you should be worshiping. Very much so when you read those verses. Very much so. So, listen. Therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. There, guys, there is no reason to not approach. You have no reason. 
to not approach when you belong to when you belong to Christ. There's no reason. Now, a little bit of application. As promised, we're going to go to chapter 13. So, we're going to skip several chapters, and we're going to go to chapter 13. And we're going to read just a few verses here. And then uh, we will wrap up for the night. So, as we look at this, here's just a couple things. I guess you, you could really call them, applica- uh, you know, I, I, yeah, they are. They're things of application. Starting in verse 13 of chapter 13, it says this, Therefore, let us go forth to him, outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Okay, when you're going outside the camp and you're bearing his reproach, you, you better be dying to self. So, you know, there's your application, man. Die, die to self. How do we do that? Man, we're in the Word. Because the Word is exposing. It's cutting. It's getting in deep. It's, it's cutting out that sin. 14, for here we have no con- continuing city, but we seek the one to come. What, what's, what's the one to come, man? We're, it's eternal rest. It's eternal Sabbath. It is eternity with the Father. And what are we going to be doing there? We're praising God for an eternity. So we're dying to self. We're, we're praising God because it flows right into 15. Therefore, by Him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. You're, you're dying to self. Your pursuit of that eternal Sabbath, the result is praise. Praising God. But, don't stop there, he says. Don't stop there. Don't forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. That is a specific call to serve others. It is a specific call to serve others. That is very black and white. Die to yourself. Praise God. Serve others. Continue on in verse 17. Obey. Obey those who rule over you. And be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. This is it's twofold there. There's a call to obedience. There's, there's a call to obedience not only for us who are being submissive to our leaders, but it's a call of obedience for our leaders to do what? Serve with joy. So there is a call to obey. There's a call to obey there. And then finally in verse 18, I I, I love it. It's the writer saying, hey, pray, pray for us. Pray for us. For we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. We, We need to live a life of prayer. We need to be in prayer. And, and that ties right back to approaching boldly the throne of God. All right. That's Hebrews 1 through 13 in three weeks. All right, so we did it, everybody. Uh, we are, we are gonna, we're going to stop there for the night uh, because... We're going to have an opportunity to boldly approach the throne of uh, the throne of grace, and uh, we can seek His mercy.
and seek His grace. And uh, we can do that in a lot of specific ways.